It's time for the LaneCast with Montana's very own Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Agriculture Conversation on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. I'm Lane Nordland. Now, do you, like I, and other farms and ranches and agribusinesses, still have questions around CARES Act funding, such as the Paycheck Protection Program? Do I qualify for loan forgiveness under PPP? How do I do that? Uh, The impact of coronavirus food assistance program payments to farmers and ranchers and just anything that has been released from the Small Business Administration and IRS that impacts my farmer, ranch, or agribusiness. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today with our friend Brad Cook from Whipfully. Now, you may be hearing the name Whipfully thinking, well, those are CPAs and tax accountants. Well, I'm going to shake up that myth. They are so much more and a tool that all farms and ranches can utilize to help make their family business even better. So when we return, we will have a Whipfully spotlight on agriculture and talk about these important issues that are impacting all of our farms, ranches, and agribusinesses with Whipfully partner Brad Cook right after this. You deserve to work with an accounting firm that understands that agriculture is a way of life as much as it's a way to make a living. At Whipfley, we not only understand tax law, but also the agriculture industry. Our dedicated team of ag professionals can help you navigate tax complexities, help your farm or ranch operation with accounting and payroll setup, and assist with specialty tax services like R&D studies and more. So whether you need tax planning and preparation or traditional accounting assistance, call one of our offices or visit whipfley.com today. Hey, friends, again, thank you so much for joining us for a great conversation that is centered around helping farmers and ranchers and those in rural communities uh, just be their best when it comes to their their family businesses and making sure they know about everything that is going on, not only in the tax world, but in every aspect of the, the family business. And I'm excited for our guest today, that being Brad Cook with Whipfleet. And uh, Brad, uh, you're a face that many farmers and ranchers see at all the agriculture meetings and events, and uh, they, they all see that Whipfleet sign and, and booth at all of these events. And many producers know exactly what you do, but some may not know what Whipfleet is. Uh, of course, uh, many people know it as a, as a CPA and accounting firm, but uh, uh, let, let's just give a, a quick overview of, of yourself and, and who Whipfley is. Sure, Lane. Thanks for having me. And I think that, as you mentioned, we spend a lot of time at the trade association shows. And really, I think we've been known for the fact that we, we do tax returns. Um, and we like to do tax returns. And we like to help farmers and ranchers plan uh, for their their year end and their, their tax situation. But uh, we do so much more. And I think that the fact that we can really walk side by side with farmer or rancher and help them through their uh, business strategic plans um, for their operation and really help out in many more ways than just that one one time or two time a year annual touch uh, when it comes to, to doing tax planning. We have a number of services uh, that we provide. Of course, historically, we've we've been really a, a tax planning and consulting firm, but the, you know, really excited about the fact that we have a, a business transition group and that, that can help farmers and ranchers with their succession issues. Um, we have great 
team members that work specifically on those issues, uh, Dana Springer and Kurt Barnikoff. Um, we are able to help farm and ran- farmers and ranchers with their farm program services, um, with their human resources, uh, with our wealth management. Um, so we really have a wide variety of services that we can provide. We're not just a tax a tax firm. And I think that's probably the, the one misconception about us. Um, and, and we've perpetrated that just because we've been, uh, you know, we've been out and that's what's easy for us to talk about. Um, but it's really a wide variety of services that we're able to provide. And uh, Brad, can you maybe talk about uh, uh, when Whipfly, when when the transition happened from Galusha Higgins Galusha to Whipfly? Can we can we talk about that aspect of it? Just so maybe uh, that uh, sparks a, a memory with some of our, our listeners out there uh, of just uh, of it's all this all the same great people working uh, on their behalf, just under a different name the past few years. Right, and and I appreciate that question, Lane. Uh, yeah, in 2015, so January 1 of 2015, we just started our, you know, the six hit the six year mark with our merger with Whipfly, um, and you know, one of the the great things we were able to carry on the legacy that was created um, at at Galusha Higgins and Galusha, particularly in the Northwest region, uh, the Montana and Idaho offices of Galusha Higgins and Galusha. And, um, you know, really had some strong partners that set the foundation for us. Um, and, you know, one of the attractions to the Whipfly firm was the fact that they wanted us to be uh, industry specialized and, you know, that, that was right up our alley because that's what we wanted to do and we felt like we had been doing for our farm and ranch clients. And um, so the merger has been a, a welcome change and it is, it's is—it's been kind of the uh, catalyst for us to be able to provide the, you know, some of these other services that we have talked about and that, that list of services is, is really ever expanding. Now, also, I, I know a few weeks ago we were talking about just Whipfly's involvement in production agriculture, and, and as the Whipfly name and brand grows in Montana and the surrounding states, uh, could you just mention that uh, the involvement that Whipfly has had, say, in Wisconsin agriculture? I know that'll be another conversation we have down the road, but uh, uh, they are proud sponsors of many agriculture events uh, for, for quite some time over in, in the uh, Great Lakes region. Yeah, when um, you know the the firm, the Whipley firm is a Wisconsin-based firm, and um, since we merged on that date in, in 2015, uh, we've had uh, quite a lot of expansion, and now we're kind of coast to coast, and we aren't in every state, but we're um, we're we're moving in that direction fairly quickly. Um, we have a great presence in agriculture in Wisconsin and Illinois. Um, we have, have a a great presence in our Colorado office, uh, offices, I should say in Denver, um, in the, in the surrounding areas, Denver and Loveland. So, uh, we really do have a number of different, uh, opportunities, uh, working with, with farmers, uh, across the, you know, across the us uh, up into maine we have some great aqua farms and blueberry operations that we're able to help um, so we are really expanding that footprint and 
our involvement uh, continues to grow. Well, you just uh, mentioned the involvement with agriculture and being a resource for producers and really gaining their trust. And as I mentioned, uh, uh, you and your team uh, over the years uh, are just so familiar. Your familiar faces at all these agriculture events and, and so many of these farmers and ranchers ha- have come to trust uh, the, your name, uh, the, the Whipley name. And how important is it, though, for that trust uh, to be gained and also just the knowledge of production agriculture and, and what these farmers and ranchers go through, especially during years like we've seen the past few where, you know, the, the farm economy hasn't been the greatest. We have kind of a tagline uh, that we use in some of our promotional materials, Lane, that, you know, we know agriculture is a way of life as much as it is as a way of way to make a living. And um, what we're seeing, I mean, First of all, just the, the understanding of, of kind of where that comes from and the deep uh, relationships and the uniqueness of the business environment when you're in agriculture and particularly when you're in family business. Um, so we have a number of folks on our team that live it on a daily basis. Um, they're, they're both CPAs and farmers. Um, and we have people who have dedicated a lot of time and years of experience in really, really digging in and learning, getting to know uh, the farm and ranch community. As you mentioned, we like to give back. We like to be uh, present at um, all of the trade associations that we can, you know, as, as much as we can get around to uh, have those conversations with people. And we generally are you know, we're generally trying to do that on our own dime because we like the relationships that we're able to build and it continues to um, build on the foundation of knowledge that we have. There's no better way to learn um, about it than, than sitting down with a farmer or a rancher and, and just listening. Um, so uh, we, we think that's a, a very important um, approach and it's something that most of us, have have really been able to grow personally from and you also have a lot of good patience with uh, really lousy farm broadcasters that can't golf very well (laughs) (laughs) well i I would i would add that um we have a lot of fun and (laughs) and i think that that's important and we we cherish those relationships um because we're all lousy golfers (laughs) and and we enjoy getting out and, and interacting with that community, particularly because we know that, you know, the farm and ranch community, they don't get to spend a lot of time on the golf course. Um, and it, it's nice to see uh, them in kind of a different light and really be able to have some lighthearted conversations because we know that there's, there's a lot of challenges um, and we're really trying to position ourselves. And, and sometimes I would say that I think we're, um, we're really trying to look out ahead in in agriculture and see what's coming at our farm and ranch clients. Um, you know, technology is probably a really good example, and and we we're we're really invested in trying to make sure that we're versed in those needs so that we can get out and help uh, that community. But but it's great just to have those lighthearted conversations on the golf course, and sometimes that's some of our best learning too. 
No, it definitely is. Again, I was uh, mentioning the times I've uh, golfed with Brad for the, the Montana Stock Rovers Foundation's T-Bone Classic Golf Tournament. Uh, a really great time. Again, it gives producers an opportunity to advocate for their industries, but of, cor- co- of course, come together and just uh, relax a little bit from all that hard work and, and, uh, and really, again, kind of recharge their batteries uh, to continue to, to, to grow food and fiber and to continue to advocate for uh, Montana's number one industry. And, and Brad, we are a few days into 2021. Uh, it's it's hard to believe the year that we just went through. Um, and, and as we uh, look at the new year, maybe the last few months before the end of the new year, I know your team was probably very busy putting together estimates for farmers and ranchers on what their taxes might be and uh and uh, that that of course happens uh, almost every year um but there's also a, a different factor into how we look at taxes uh, for this uh, filing season that of course uh, the 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 pandemic the covid relief funds the the ppp program paycheck protection program these are questions that that I have that I'm concerned about it ha- how how is the relief funding that I got as a producer looked at uh, for my livestock through the CFAP program? And I, I'm rambling on because there there's so many questions that I have because I'm concerned about my filings this year. How's it going to work? But uh, maybe I should let you get us back on track from my off into the sagebrush ramble about the COVID. But what what has Whipley been doing the past few months in terms of understanding? this the the covid relief funds the cares act and uh, how 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 is that understanding of all of these hundreds and thousands of pages of uh, documents uh, how, how how are you going to benefit your clients that way uh we we spent an, a lot of time starting uh last mark late last march when uh really the pandemic uh hit in full force um and Right at the beginning of April, we actually shifted a large part of our operation across our footprint to the understanding, particularly of the PPP program administered by the Small Business Administration. Um, Our key word and our new favorite word during that time became fluidity. Everything was fluid. It was changing on a daily basis. Applications for PPP funds, we would we would read the rules one day and that evening uh, we would get new information that the rules changed or the applications changed. But we really had invested a significant portion of our workforce in trying to prepare to help. And we were able to help a number of clients kind of walk through the PPP funding. What's interesting is that really until, uh, you know, fast forward to the Consolidated Appropriations Act, which I think we're going to talk about here, but um, we didn't get some of the guidance on how those funds were going to ultimately be treated for income tax purposes until, uh, the, until we received word that the Consolidated Appropriations Act had been passed and that there was a provision within um you know, to to provide for the deductibility of the the funds that were received, the covered expenses. Um, so, you know, reaching all the way back to March and April, um, we we really we had to sh- we had to be fairly nimble, and I think we were able to do that um, and kind of guide our producers through the year on hey, what what were what were the appropriate expenses. Uh, to be spending these on, tracking those expenses, 
uh, putting a lot of effort into understanding uh, the nuances that came and the changes that came at us during the year, really trying to guide guide producers through, uh, you know, when should they be applying for their loan forgiveness? Do they need to provide for loan forgiveness? Um, we had lots of information that was uh, kind of um, getting passed on to us that, hey, maybe uh, certain loans might automatically qualify for forgiveness regardless of the covered expenses, how, how they were spent. Um, so there was a lot of unknowns throughout this year. It made our planning season a little bit different. As you mentioned, we spent a good portion of uh, the last couple of months of the calendar year working with our farm and ranch clients, trying to give them a picture of what their tax situation looks like and give them enough time uh, to appropriately plan for that. Um, and there were some, some big outstanding questions, um, until, you know, until the Consolidated Appropriations Act was, was signed, it started to answer some questions. Of course, when we get legislation like that, it's a framework and generally in the framework, the Congress gives the different agencies a certain amount of time to, to write the rules. So as, as early as, uh, day before yesterday, I think the night uh, night before last, actually, the SBA released 150 new pages of guidance on uh, on, on the new PPP loans. So um, we continue to invest significant amount of time and resources into understanding, uh, you know, those changes so we can kind of be that resource for the farm and ranch community. And so, Brad, uh, uh, just uh, backing up a little bit, so for our listeners out there that did receive a PPP loan, they, of course, could utilize a certain percentage of that uh, loan um, to uh, pay utilities. And, and and I'm correct in saying this now, with that newly passed legislation, um, they can write off those utilities now, because originally they weren't going to be able to write off those utility expenses. I'm correct in saying that. I fully understand that. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, generally, the, some of the confusion is, is driven by the fact that it's um, a convention within the, the tax law that if you have uh, income that is earned, that is tax-free, generally the expenses to produce that income are not tax deductible. Um, so that was the position that the IRS uh, had officially taken in a revenue uh, announcement. In, and um, Congress then said, well, hold on, that wasn't, that wasn't our intention. Um, we fully intended to give this relief uh, to allow uh, our small business community to be able to use those funds and to go ahead and deduct those expenses. But ultimately that didn't come out um, until the, the Consolidated Appropriations Act. And then yesterday, um, I, I might be off a day there, the IRS actually uh, revoked their revenue ruling from 2020 in a new revenue ruling, which was I think 2021-2, means it's the second ruling of of the year of 2021 um saying as much saying that those expenses were deductible which also we believe pays paves the way for those expenses to be deductible uh, on the state income tax returns as well okay um 
So, so you are correct. Um, 100% tax deductible for for those expenses that were that were used in 2020. Now, as we talk about those utility expenses, uh, it's not just uh, putting in on the uh, loan forgiveness form the amount of what those utility expenses uh, were. It's uh, keeping track of them, uploading them, having those uh, 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 the the bills available. Uh, you have to have all your banking records. Uh, obviously, I've, I've I filled out my online forgiveness form through the bank in which I received my PPP loan. Uh, what what are some tips that you have for folks out there that maybe? Uh, I guess what are some mistakes you've seen some clients make in uh, their um, process of applying for these loans that will just make life a little easier uh, for uh, the bookkeepers when it comes to applying for the forgiveness amount? Yeah, I mean, really, really, I think the devil's in the details, Lane, and um, it's it's just a, a matter of making sure that your records are in good shape, um, that there's no question that if uh, PPP loan application and the forgiveness application are reviewed that we don't have, we don't have any gaps in our supporting data. Um, the, the IRS or the, the new legislation has actually provided some relief, um, for loan forgivenesses for, for borrowers, um, uh, under a certain amount. So I mean, generally I think under $150,000, we're not going to even need to be concerned about that loan forgiveness. Um, it's going to become a streamlined process. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I had less than $150,000. Just to be clear with my listeners on that mm-hmm. on that PP or P loan forgiveness, but I just I filled it out because I just didn't. Again, we didn't know. I I, I didn't know how long it was going to be. Uh, and uh, the bank I I used provided a really nice platform to do that. So, Brad, am I understanding this right? Jumping back to the point when we were talking about uh, a complete loan forgiveness uh, for a PPP loan that was under one hundred and fifty thousand, um, what is that correct? Are we going to see anyone that got something under that loan amount uh, just totally forgiven? I, I guess what is the latest legislative guidance on that? Yeah, the new legislation lane creates a simplified application um, and. For borrowers, uh, if they use the simplified application, it's it's not supposed to be more than one page in length. Um, but if they use the application, they they automatically have their loans forgiven as long as they meet the provisions uh, that are set out in that application. So they've really tried to streamline uh, that process for the smaller loans. Okay, that's great to hear. I am glad I jumped back to that because I know that's a question that so many small businesses are asking that received that loan amount for under $150,000. Let's cross our fingers that that actually does um, uh, stay the same and is in effect for all these businesses, uh, whether they're agricultural or not, hurt by the pandemic. But uh, as we look at uh, other CARES Act funding, uh, Brad, I mean, the the CFAP money, of course, the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program was allocated to uh, livestock and crop producers. Um, livestock producers up in our region received uh, $55 in, in aid the first round for losses uh, in the livestock market sector, $33 the next round for calves on the ground. Um, 
I have received this question uh, just from my reporting on radio and TV from producers that uh, haven't been in contact uh, uh, with with uh, their, their tax experts. And that, of course, is, will I be taxed on the CFAP money that I received as a part of COVID CFAP CARES relief? And, and yes. I mean, the, the CFAP uh, funds that were received, um, both the first and second round of those CPAP. CFAP funds will be taxable like any other government program payment. Um, essentially, as earnings re- replacement for earnings. Um, so the the answer on the CFAP funding is yes. That's a little different than the PPP program, mm-hmm. and that provided us uh, uh, some with some challenges this year as we were going through the year, and most of our clients were obviously very uncertain about how their results were, were going, you know, their, their year was going to shape up. And at the end of the year, we had some, we actually had some planning challenges based upon the amount of CFAP funds that were received. And so we spent a a fair amount of time working through that here with our year end planning and, and accounting for those CFAP dollars. And also, Brad, th- thanks for explaining that, because, again, that, that's a question I, I receive from my listeners and viewers uh, on our agriculture broadcast. And uh, you mentioned the new PPP program that uh, Congress passed and, and President Trump finally did sign that COVID relief uh, spending. What um, what does that PPP program look like? It, it, obviously, the qualification uh, for funding is a little bit different from that first uh, PPP program. Uh, what what should folks know about, and what are some of the qualifications that uh, businesses will need to uh, to present um, the SBA to qualify for these loans? Yeah, so there's I mean there's a couple of different uh, approaches, and and we're still receiving receiving guidance on those programs lane. So as far as the, the details, I won't get too far into them, but for PPP first round, uh, for farmers who didn't, uh, get the maximum loan amount, there are some options for them to be able to go back and calculate their, uh, loan amount with some different parameters than were generally laid out. And, um, many farmers didn't qualify because the first round guidance was generally a factor of net income or self-employment income and wages paid. And the, the consolidated changes in the Consolidated Appropriations Act now allow for them to go back and look at their, at their gross income rather than their net self-employment income. So, for this is this isn't even the new round of PPP. This is the new. This is the first round that allows them to take a second look at at their income from 2000 and uh, from from 2019 and really see whether they had an opportunity to go uh, have more funds granted under the new under the new rules, and then. I think that the second piece that's important is really kind of the second draw, and that's what they're calling uh, this next round of PPP. Um, basically, it's been extended through March 31st of 2021, um, and 
farmers and ranchers can qualify if they show a 25% reduction in gross revenue in any quarter in 2020 uh, versus that same quarter in 2019. Um, So there are some some nuances that need to be looked at um, in order to qualify for a second draw. The first draw funds um, have to be used up. You know, we have to have um, used them for those for those covered expenses. Um, but those are the general parameters for the second draw of PPP. Okay. Well, again, I'm, I'm glad there's experts like you out there. So this all of this information just seems to go over my head when we're trying to understand just all the, the changing parts, the new legislation that comes in that changes uh, what the qualification is, what the forgiveness would be. And as we wrap up today's conversation, because I know you are all so busy uh, just trying to to look at uh, the, the filings of uh, the, the – um, 2020 year um is the tax deadline going to be the same as it has been in the past or or have you heard anything on that front in terms of when folks need to be filed here in 2021 yeah that's a great question lane and we we have not uh heard of any changes in filing deadlines um currently or i'm i'm unaware of any changes to those filing deadlines so we're operating um under the expectation that April 15th will continue to be um, the main tax filing deadline. Of course, we have a number of different deadlines for uh, our farm and ranch community to really be thinking about. The next one, um, you know, the the next one that's important for some is January 15th um, for those sole proprietors who uh, don't make estimated tax payments and file their returns by March 1st, um, they're required to have made an estimated tax payment uh, in in January by January 15th uh, to avoid any avoid any penalties. Um, now, for those who don't expect to have any taxable income and they're able to file by March 1st, uh, that's not a problem um, for those folks. We have a number of uh, our, our clients who are sole proprietors file a Schedule F, and as long as they file and pay by March 1st, there there's no penalty. Um, but in the event that they don't get filed by March 1st and there was tax due, they should have made a January 15th estimated tax payment. You know, so that's one one deadline. And of course, uh, our pastor entities, our partnerships, and S corporations are are due on. On March fifteenth, and then April fifteenth is when our corporations and and individual returns are due. And so so far, no changes. I did want to just put one one little bug in everybody's ear, and um, you know, we really have taken a different approach um, in recent years with the use of of extending tax returns. And I think there's some misconceptions out there with. Um, maybe some of your listeners and certainly some of our clients that, you know, uh, using a tax return extension uh, creates uh, problems when we file. There's extra scrutiny on, on returns that are extended. And we just, we're, we're encouraging um, a lot of our clients to extend their income tax return with so much uh, information being brand new uh, 
and just coming out and still getting guidance. Um, there's there's been a lag in recent years in a number of things that that makes filing by April 15th not only a challenge but sometimes maybe more risky than than filing an extension. So um, just kind of a, a general comment on the use of extensions. We we really think that um, they're going to be a good tool, particularly in in this year with a lot of unknowns. Perfect, perfect. Some some great information there. And, of course, Brad, uh, the Whiffley team is, is committed to helping producers all, all across the state. And, and, and I think that is a, is a, is a great uh, ending point for us uh, to wrap up our conversation here today, that uh, w- whether uh, it be uh, folks up in the Helena region, on the High Line, wherever it might be in Montana, Whipley uh, is there for producers and all clients, and and they, and they will come to you to help uh, to help uh, get all of not only your tax uh, your tax business wrapped up, but but all the business that impacts your your family operation. Uh, maybe just give a, a shout out to your team that that is there for producers uh, at any time. Yeah, we have a. We have a phenomenal team, Lane. Um, again, I appreciate you mentioning that uh, throughout our office locations. And again, not only in Montana, but um, really throughout our footprint. And we we do a we put a significant effort into not only staying up on on the current developments, but also in trying to to provide our clients and prospects with information. Um, Again, we really want to be uh, that business partner that that can walk side by side and it can really work at helping uh, the agricultural community, um, you know, not only um, just sustain, uh, but, but thrive. And for our listeners out there, of course, uh, whipfly.com, W-I-P-F-L-I.com is a great resource uh, to, to find an office near you and those uh, um, business accounting and CPA experts out there that are going to help uh, your operation uh, uh, make the right financial decisions and business decisions. And just for our listeners out there, uh, we're going to continue to have conversations with uh, folks like Brad and, and other experts at Whiffley uh, for, for the next uh, coming months discussing uh, transitional planning, how to have that difficult conversation with your family members, with your partners in your business about the the decisions that you have to make and making sure your operation is successful for years to come. And so many more conversations that we're going to have. Again, as Brad mentioned, Whiffley is more than just a tax CPA firm. They, they provide so many more resources to producers. And, and Brad, I appreciate you taking the time just discussing how all these COVID dollars and all these different applications that so many of us in the ag field have had to fill out and go through, uh, uh, just providing a little more light on that. Because, again, it was a pretty, it seemed so rushed there uh, at the height of the pandemic uh, during the shutdowns last spring. But uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that insight. Just it, I know if it clears everything up for me in understanding it, I know our listeners appreciate it. So, so thank you so much to Brad Cook, a partner with Whipley, for, for joining us here today and just shedding light on these very important uh, uh, issues and aspects that our farms and ranchers are facing. Thank you, Lane. It was a pleasure. 
No, Brad, the pleasure was all mine, and I know our listeners really do appreciate these conversations that we can have about all the rules, regulation, new legislation that uh, are impacting our operations, especially in the time of the COVID-19 pandemic. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to our future conversations as we continue to have these Whipfleet Spotlight on Agriculture segments, uh, sharing very important information that all farms, ranches, and agribusiness businesses can listen and join us in learning more about all these different tools and resources that Whipfly is providing all of us here in the agriculture sector. That will do it for today's agriculture conversation here on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. I'm Lane Nordland. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.